When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Beaver Sports Podcast, presented by On Point Community Credit Union. Your community, your place to bank. Join in. Here are your hosts, Mike Parker and John Warren. Hi again, everybody. Mike Parker, John Warren. Thank you for joining us for another edition. In fact, the first one of 2021. Our Beaver Sports Podcast, presented by On Point Community Credit Union, providing our local communities with the banking and lending solutions we all need to get ahead. On Point is a proud sponsor of Oregon State Athletics Podcasts, federally insured by NCUA, equal housing opportunity. So, Michael, thank you uh, for being our first podcast guest in 2021, and I hope you understand we always enjoy visiting with you no matter what time of the year it is. But on one level, you get the nod because you have action perhaps scheduled athletically <laughs> this weekend. I hope you understand that we appreciate the fact that you and your team are operating and trying to get ready for a meet this weekend. So Happy New Year. And what can you tell us about how you've been functioning as a team and your hopes for Friday night? 
Hey, Mike, uh, happy new year to you, and, you. and everybody else. And uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, great that we're in a position where we're able to uh, prepare for our, our, hopefully our first uh, meet uh, on, on Friday the 15th uh, against Boise State here at home, which will be great. Um, it's been, it's challenging, obviously. I think everybody that's going through it, we, there's a lot of procedures that we have to follow to, to practice that are much different. But uh, we're glad to be in the gym and have been training since, uh, gosh, late September is when we finally got back in um, and following all the product protocols. But, yeah, so at this point, we're scheduled to have Boise State uh, on, on the 15th on Friday night at 5 p.m. Uh, it'll be just uh, us and the cardboard cutouts, but, hey, we're, we'll be ready to go. And those cardboard cutouts have been a presence at Reeser Stadium and they're still available, space still available at Gill Coliseum for all events, men's and women's basketball. We hope we'll see a resumption there, as well as uh, other scheduled events at home, including, and I apologize, Michael, for jumping the gun. Time goes so quickly. A week from Friday with Boise State scheduled. Right. But even so, Michael, right? I mean, you, the words that we became so familiar with last year in the sporting world, the need to, to pivot and be able to adjust, so many programs have had to do that. So uh, until Friday night, the 15th, when Boise State, you hope to take uh, the mat with them and compete. But you don't know until you get there, right? I mean, there are a lot of things between now and then. You have to make sure you you get right. Yes, exactly. I mean, uh, we have to follow all the protocols normally getting tested. Um, and then we have to hope Boise is also stays healthy mm -hmm. and can get here. So... You know, both of those things are happening, and, and um, you know, our, our team has done a great job. We've been talking to them about what they need to do to, to stay healthy, to, to socially distance, and, and follow all the protocols that are mandated, and we do all of our testing. And, and as long as that happens, I think we're going to be re really ready to go. Luckily, our sport itself is um, on the low-risk end. They, they kind of term it uh, because we don't really have physical contact with any other individual. We never... You don't have to be within six feet of anybody, which is a big advantage for our gymnastics. And so, you know, we, we all use the same apparatus, but, um, the, you know, the, the way we do it and, and the things that we're doing to try to protect us, um, I think are helping. Every individual has their own, at the gym anyway, has their own chalk bucket and own water bottle, things like that. So hmm. we're doing what we can, and I'm sure Boise is doing the same. And, and right now, in, in this day and age, we're just, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed and preparing for the 15th and hoping that that comes through and then if you know that'll happen then we'll get ready for the next one so in your sport michael michael chaplin the uh, associate head coach oregon state uh, gymnastics coming in 13th ranked in the country we'll get into that coming up here in just a little bit but Let's expand on that a little bit now. A, a great description of your own uh, chalk bucket. I wouldn't have even thought to ask you about that. And clearly the, the athletes are doing their own thing. But what other uh, bits of protocol will we see? Will they be required to, to do their routines with masks on? Will you be required to have masks on if you are, uh, uh, quote unquote, on the sidelines, if you will? How will it look different? You've already talked about how it will be the same. Will it look different in any way? Oh, definitely. The What you see kind of now with uh, the basketball games, how the athletes are spread out, that the team members are, are sitting a little bit further apart. We will, both teams will do that. We'll also have extra corrals that'll be designated for each team near the events so that, but they'll have theirs and we'll have ours. So the two teams will definitely be 
spread out and, and not being able to be able to interact other than hey, wave that kind of stuff. Um, we will all have masks on. Um, the athletes, once they perform, take the mask down, but then are required to put it back up. Um, each team will have, like, let's say, chalk for bars. They'll have their chalk bucket and their spray bottles, and then we'll have ours. So we'll never mix those two. Um, as coaches, we have to keep our, our mask on. Uh, there are going to be fines that we're hearing about. Um, even some of the mats, let's say the top mats that you land on, like an 8-incher, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but they'll have theirs that they'll keep with them on their events or be designated, and we'll have ours. So we're trying to really go beyond above and beyond to really, uh, you know, follow the protocols and also think of a few other things that might really kind of help keep the athletes safe because that is our number one priority. Michael, I, I think that the Oregon State Athletic Program as a whole has done an exemplary job since last spring of keeping the numbers down. Right now we're seeing a situation with both men's and women's basketball, but really as a whole, if you look across the, the spectrum of the conference and the country, the Beavers have done a great job, but they did a great job in football, but somehow things slip through. It sounds to me like what you've described, there would be almost no chance, especially if everyone's tested before the event that morning and you've done what you've done. So um, I don't right. know. I would suppose you would scratch your head if something did get through, but somehow they do, as we've seen with basketball and on the right, men's and the right, women's right. side. Yeah, no, I, I feel really confident with our sport and with our protocols and, you know, what Dr. Ackerman has laid out has, has been, I think, fantastic. And, um, you know, but it, it, you know, every, it's difficult. You travel, you move around, it doesn't take, it takes one little incident and all of a sudden, you know, maybe you'll get uh, exposed. Uh, but in, like in our sport, I, like I said, I feel really confident. We've been really, you know, Deborah Graff is our trainer, and she's really been on us. She gets on me probably more than anybody, makes sure I, I keep my mask up because I don't love wearing it. Um, but she, the, the athletes have really been uh, receptive, and we practice with the mask on. They're able, like I said, take it down when they get up on the event to do the skills or routine. But then once they come off it, they put the mask back on, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be able to communicate whatever corrections they have. Um, you know, and then, so, yeah, I, I, I'm sure everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's trying to stay, stay safe. And um, when you travel around, there's a little break. When we came, we the head athletes go home on the 19th. So they came back on the 26th, but weren't allowed to practice at a quarantine. And then they also had to be tested before we even got back in the gym. So that was uh, more than another week before that happened. So it's not ideal for me in terms of training, but... Um, it's like I said, it's the protocol we're following. I think we're doing everything we can to, to make sure the athletes stay safe and, and hopefully we'll be able to get through the season and, and not have any um, positive. But if that's to happen, then we'll, we'll do our best to, to, to make sure that we you know, get everybody healthy and get back at it. Get back at it. Michael Chaplin joining us. Uh, and you mentioned the cutouts earlier, as did uh, I, about their presence at Reeser and at Gill. Cutout space is still available, and it, a big thanks to uh, our local Toyota dealers. Toyota is helping to plant a tree for every cutout to help the Beaver State recover from devastating wildfires. You can still get great spots in Gill for gymnastics and all the other scheduled events. Learn more at osubeavers.com. And our thanks to your local Toyota dealers and One Tree Planted for making the cutouts possible. Michael, you, you have alluded to, and we've spent the first part of this podcast discussing the realities of the world we're in. Take us back, if you could, 
to the end of last season when you were ranked at the end of the year at 15th in the country, the abrupt end, and now as you come back and get ready to begin competing again next Friday against Boise State, the makeup of your roster, the the student-athletes coming back, and you open the season ranked 13th in the country. So what are your thoughts about the team you're bringing back after the abrupt end of last year? Yeah, last year was it was a horrible inning, right? I mean, everybody, no one saw that coming, and, and we all, it was the way that I was told it was unusual. Um, you kept on thinking, okay, well, this week may be canceled, but then maybe we'll get to a pack of championships, and then all of a sudden, uh, no, that's not going to happen. And then, well, we'll be able to go to regionals, and then pretty quick, quickly after that, it was like, no, everybody's done, and get your stuff and go home. <laughs> and it was really, really hard on our seniors last year. I still feel like it's it's difficult to have because they don't they don't get that closure. You know, one of the big things that I was look forward to, and I think they've talked about, is that final night in Gilmore mm-hmm. State because it's so special in front of your the family and friends that last time. And and they were deprived of that, and so, you know, but that's the way it was. Everybody everybody had to go through that. Um, so in terms of you know you deal with that, you recognize okay that this is a reality and this is what happened, and theoretically it could happen again. And and as we've gone through the last eight months trying to get back to where like hey, we're I was so happy when we go back in the gym to dance with you, Mike and John. It was. Once we finally were able to even work out, I was like, oh, thank goodness. And so I've learned a little bit more about gratitude. Mm-hmm. Gratitude and, and being, you know, happy with whatever the situation is, because I know it could be a lot worse. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, the seniors that did come back were Lacey Dagan and Lena Green. So they, they chose to, to continue. Um, the other seniors, just it just doesn't work into their schedules. They were all going to, um, you know, on to grad school or other part, other other things that they've already lined up, so it just wasn't going to work out for them. But we're excited to have to have Lena and Lacey back and then the seniors that are on the team now, um, and, and hopefully they'll get a senior night. Again, it may not be with fans. By the by March 5th is our scheduled tentative last home meet. Um, you never know. Keep your fingers crossed. But um, if they're at least able to go inside a gill and people can watch it online and we can do a, some kind of presentation for them, uh, that that would be special because it really is. It's hard on these athletes to work so long and so many years, and then you know you didn't really get to finish it. You know, and that that is a difficult, difficult situation. Um, so, but we're we're in there. Like I said, we're we're grateful that we're going to get a shot at this season. All right. Well, we can get into some individual uh, athletes, but I have a follow up question about being ranked 13th. I'm looking, Michael Michael Chaplin, joining us here on uh, this week's edition of the podcast at uh, the top. 20, 25, whatever it is, and, and the, the usual players are there. Florida, Oklahoma, LSU, Utah, Michigan, Alabama, UCLA. Cal is in there with Denver tied for eighth. Is Cal a new face in uh, this high, or have they always been there? No, they're, they're relatively relatively new. I mean, I'm old. I've been here this is season 24 for us, uh, and I would say it'll, for the first 15 years, Cal was pretty – uh, struggled a bit, but uh, uh, Justin Howell and his wife have uh, Liz Crandall Howell have done a great job building that program up to a, a top ten, top fifteen team, um, and so they really have done some great recruiting. It was always kind of a sleeping giant, in my opinion, uh, but they've been able to really attract some top athletes to Cal, and and they've done a great job. And 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 uh, so their preseason looked really good for them, and, and the recruits. So they they should have a, a strong a strong year. 
So they're 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 kind of new, but um, you know. And then yeah, you're right. Utah's always very good in UCLA. UCLA had a little bit of an issue, kind of like us, where with the postponement of the Olympics, they had several kids scheduled on not only the U.S. team but other uh, national teams that were going to go, you know, from the Olympics to school. But like us, Jay Carey, who should have been with us this fall, had to defer again to try to. She's going to be in the 2020 Olympics. So that's why UCLA probably isn't ranked as high as they normally are. I would say typically they're a top four team, uh, but uh, they, they, some of their kids weren't able to show up because you know of the Olympics being postponed. Uh, but yeah, we're pretty happy with being 13th. Uh, like I said, we we lost a lot of seniors and lost a lot of people uh, on on bars and a few other spots. But um, the team has worked really hard and, and they're excited to, to get started. Michael, speaking of Jade Carey, so you, you, her situation is essentially the same as it was a year ago, correct? Hoping exactly. that the Olympics will come off in 2021. Uh, I know there's still optimism along those lines. In the meantime, how much of a relationship do you have with her? Is there still a plan post-Olympics for her to compete at Oregon State? I mean, what, do you know much about that right now? Oh, absolutely. Jade's on our roster. If you look on our roster right. right now, she's up there. She took summer school class. I mean, took a class with her in the fall, obviously uh, online like everybody else, um, but was that, which was kind of good because she was able to do it and, and still train at home and prepare like she needs to for the Olympic Games. Um, and, it, and it is tricky, you know, because that, that is a, the, the very top level. And she is going to be – if the Games come off, she's going to be there. Um, so we probably talked to Jade – weekly if not more okay. um just checking in she lets us know how things are going uh school just everything we just really try to keep her involved and she sent me a text on the 21st was like michael i finally will get to, this year i finally get to come to oregon state so <laughs> she's she's excited about it as well and, and it was was her original dream and the olympics kind of just uh it, it, she did really well and it just kind of happened um but uh, so she's she's pumped up about being a beaver, and, and we can't wait for her to join us right after Tokyo. Great to hear. Right after Tokyo. Okay, good. Right, um, right after Tokyo. So because the Olympics, I think, finish in August, she'll travel home, and then you know we start um, mid September, and so she'll she'll get out here mid September, and we'll we'll get ready for 2022. Is that the equivalent of the baseball team having a major league starter in the rotation? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is, um, because if you think about it, there's only four athletes or six now. Well, there's four on a team that make an Olympic team, and then there's two alternates, two, I'm sorry, two individuals. Uh, so that's six people that make it make that every, once every four years. So it's really, really rare to be an Olympian. And so, absolutely, this is, if you take your, your, your um, top pro athlete, this is, the equivalent of that. Now, a couple of years ago, did UCLA have more than one, which would be astronomical odds, right? Yeah, they, they had two. They had um, two girls that just finished the 2016 um, team, and so they, they've been able to attract a lot of the a lot of Olympians over the years, not only from the United States but other other countries that are that have done really really well. Um, so that they they've been really fortunate that way. And then same with Oklahoma the last couple of years, they've been able to get some pretty top athletes. Um, even the ones that don't, if you're on the national team and you're an elite athlete, um, they're very very good. And and they're like probably your, I guess the equivalency of the athlete that makes it to the pro level. They're they're very elite athletes. Michael, when you mentioned that 
with Jade in her situation, and of course she exerts a fascination on all in Beaver Nation, even though she hasn't competed yet for the Beavs, the plan is that she will. But the Olympics, you said, came almost after the recruiting process it, with her. It happened. It, it, it just happened. I don't know what your phrase exactly was a few minutes ago, but something to that effect. Did you have a sense when you were recruiting her that that was a, a strong possibility, or was there just such a maturation and an improvement that it almost took everyone, in a sense, by some surprise that she ended up at that level as quickly as she did? Yes, it was absolutely surprise for, for a lot of people. I, the, the story was that it, when she was a freshman in high school, we go to these national camps, right? All the athletes are there. And I knew one of her coaches, and her coach basically turned around and said, Michael, you watch one of my athletes. My athlete turned into Jade, and she's on the floor. I turned around, and she does this giant falling back out. I mean, it's super high. And I was like, yeah. And I, and, I, and I basically watched her the rest of the day. I got to know her dad was her coach, the other coach, and so we hit it off. And I could tell there was she was super talented, um, but she was she wasn't as strong on let's say bars and beams as she was on floor and vault. As she progressed, she continued to just be a standout on on those two events. And other obviously, it's not hard. The national team staff saw her that she made the top four at the Geo National Program, and they saw her camps and they invited her to the senior national camps. And from there, it just kind of it, it started rolling into. You know, you can be an elite, and she started training that level. But what happened is, as a freshman, you know, we hit it off. She came out and visited. I was like, hey, we'd love to have you at Oregon State. She loved it here, and so it just happened verbally. And then we just maintained that good relationship, and then she just kept getting better and better. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, she was on a, on a world championship team, medaled on vault and floor, second place in the entire world. And then that's when that Olympic dream really kind of was like, hey, you can be an Olympian, and her and her dad talked it over, and that, you know, it's special to do that. So that's when she had to make that hard choice to defer because she should be in her third year with us right now. And and we were, like, totally supportive of it because the Olympics is a big deal, and if you could take a shot at it, you should absolutely take a shot at it. And we've been excited to watch her progress, and, and, and that was one of the things also I loved about Jay was her passion for the sport. There are kids that finish their season, and they want to be they want to take a little break. Her dad was like, she wants to come into the gym and play and learn more. And so that was another key factor, which I was really impressed with. And I'm not surprised by her success at all. I could definitely see that there was talent. But whether she really wanted to have that drive to be an Olympian, because I can't tell you how hard the amount of work they have to put in. Did you have to? uh, She's special and works right about it. Did you have to fight off overtures from UCLA and Utah and some other schools? Oh, yeah. Once, Once everybody else. Once she started really doing stuff at the elite level, people had already started to approach her again, and and everybody did. And luckily, we built a really good relationship, and, and uh, she is a person of a lot of character. And she loved Oregon State and loved her experience, and we, like I said, we hit it off. Tanya, we would go down there a lot, and she was just committed to it, and, and that's the kind of person she is. And so, um, you know, it... it she can't wait to be here. We can't wait for her to be here. And, and so we, we're really excited about that situation. A few more minutes with Michael Chaplin, associate head coach, entering his 24th season at uh, Oregon State, but uh, had a great career in his own right, a national champion at student, as a student athlete at UCLA, two-time All-American, and a member of the 87 national championship team. Pulling back a little bit, Michael, looking back at the arc of your life in the sport, 
When you grew up in Albuquerque, did you gravitate to gymnastics immediately? How did, you know, you talk about uh, Jade's love to, to compete and just to, to get better. When, when you got a hold of it, when did that happen? And did that love for the sport happen and, and has stayed with you forever? Yeah, that, that's, that's kind of a fun story. I actually feel really fortunate in some way that when I was young, I played all the sports. I played Little League football, baseball, basketball. I had an older sister who was a gymnast, and she was doing really well. She was actually very talented. She won uh, the equivalency of, like, the national championships, and she went elite. And I would go and I'd watch, and I saw the male gymnasts. I'm like, those guys are really strong. So when I was about 12 years old, I thought, during the off-season, I'm going to go do gymnastics and just see how I like it. And then, if nothing else, that helps me get me prepared and strong for, for the next whatever season comes up. And I loved all the other sports. I, I felt pretty athletic. I wasn't a tall guy. But I got into gymnastics, and it was, this is going to sound weird, but it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. I thought mm-hmm. in gymnastics, like in any other sport, teach me the rules, and I can go play it. Like, I can go dribble basketball, do all that, and, and do it. I can throw, I can do all those things. But gymnastics, it's, it doesn't work that way. You can't just flip yourself over. You can't just, you know, do a double back or hold a handstand. You have to do a ton of stuff. And for some people, that's like, I don't want to bother having to work that long to be able to do the skill set you need to perform the sport but for me it was an attraction i thought wow i i need to get i want to get good at this sport and then i realized that i did have a knack for it and then i also realized man i'm not getting any taller and so i was kind of built for it so after that it was just i just could see that it was the right sport for me so i didn't really start till I was 12 i wish i would have started when i was eight um, it would have probably helped my development a little bit more, but I still was very fortunate enough to make national teams and then get scholarships to UCLA and, and make senior national teams and, and have a great experience and definitely had the love for the sport and uh, still doing it. So um, mm-hmm. I, I, that's, that's my short, quick story. What was, your, what was your event? Or were you all I did around? all six. And yeah, I did, I did all six, but I, I certainly was the strongest at steel rings. I was an All-American on rings and – uh, that certainly was probably my – and now that's a little bit different, and I could have just specialized where in the period of gymnastics that I did, you had to do all around to be on the national team and, and make an Olympic team. If I would do it all over again, I would just probably have focused on three events and, and spent a ton of time on those. And then if you're good enough, if you're the best on those events, you probably could make an Olympic team that way. Yeah. Did you have one that you feared, that you thought, oh, I don't really want to do this? Um uh, there are times where you, you're worried, like uh, parallel bars. I got a little bit nervous about doing double bikes off at the dismount because I knew a guy who broke his neck, and you saw his zipper down the back of his neck. Oh. And so those kind of things make you go, mm-hmm. oh. So th- those are the fear issues. When you, when you see people and, and you hear about stories of, of people really getting seriously injured, you, it makes you pause for a minute and really think about what you're doing. But no, I, I would say high bar was the most fun event because you're, you literally feel like you're flying. Um, but rings was definitely my best, and pommel horse was the hardest. Yeah, I was going to say, as a male viewer, the pommel horse is one that I would fear greatly. Uh, did they teach you, make sure you're still in the middle, between the handles, between the handles? <laughs> yep, yep. You, you definitely have to be careful on, on all those things, but... Uh, to carry yourself around on pommel horse, I, the physical strength, and to do it with and to make it look effortless, I, it's unbelievable um, what those guys do now. And, and I see what the male gymnasts are doing now, um, and I just kind of go, "Wow!" It blows my mind how how much they've progressed. And that's what's kind of cool about the sport is the things that I did were 
are like basic now compared to what they do mm. now, mm. some of the skill sets. So it's it's kind of fun to see the sport continue to grow. And yeah, change. and in closing, what is the health of the sport, Michael, uh, across the collegiate landscape, the world, you know, certainly, what do you see in terms of the health of programs and the vitality of them in our conference? There are many great ones, you among them. What is the overall health of the sport and the growth uh, arc of the sport right now? For for women's gymnastics, I would say it's 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 very strong. I mean, there there we've had some issues that we're dealing with to get better as coaches um, throughout the country, making sure that you take care of the athletes uh, because there have been things that have happened on the national scene that have been really bad. Yes, and but I think we're making progress on on those. So I think the popularity of, for women's gymnastics is still very high and i think it will continue uh to improve and if, right now you'll see in, in the next Olympics, you know we're the best in the world we have some of the best female gymnasts the men's gymnastics unfortunately at the collegiate level along with a lot of other olympic sports um in swimming and wrestling their the numbers are dropping significantly and certainly the pandemic has um probably pushed some of those programs to be dropped because of financial situations. Um, but you know what? That's, you know, the sport will survive. People will love it and people can do it as in the club level, club situation for the men. But I do think the women are, are very popular every four years. You watch a lot of that in the Olympics. We hear really good things about our, our numbers from the Pac-10, <clears throat> Pac-12, I'm sorry, uh, network in terms of our viewership. Uh, people still really enjoy watching it and, we get great crowds here in Gale Coliseum, and we're really super appreciative of that. And we see that all over the country um, uh, with our with our viewership and attendance. So I feel pretty strong, pretty good about our the strength of our uh, women's program. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. And and last thing, and uh, to the men's side of things, it's almost primal in that, uh, like track and field, way back to the beginning of time. You know, someone said, "I can run faster than you," or "I can throw this rock farther than you." Gymnastics isn't right. quite far off from that. I can do this with my body. I can, uh, you know, swing it around. Whatever. I would think that, you know, collegiately. I remember when it was in high schools, and that's no longer anymore. Collegiately, maybe, right. maybe falling apart as well. But club level, are there enough kids being? I wouldn't say recruited out there, but at least that they have exposure to it so that we can maintain uh, having a good men's program at the Olympic level. I, I hope so. I really do think there, there is that possibility. Uh, but you're right. The early time, early history of gymnastics was way back when they probably trained for equestrian, right? Jump on a horse. That's what they call the a horse. How do you mount a horse? How do you jump over a horse? And Gymnastics were one of the very first sports in the Olympics. Um, so I, I think there will always be space for it. I think there will be people that will love it and appreciate it and will have club experiences. Uh, the other thing that's been fun is the extreme sports, ninja sports. Um, they need gymnastics fundamentals to be able to do those things. And so there will be clubs out there, um, and, and it will continue to exist. The whole model for college and everything is going to be interesting. So that plays out over the next 10 years for every sport, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, it, people that love our sport will be involved in it and keep it strong and keep it moving forward. Final thing, Michael, and that is just at the end of this challenging year, and we've moved into 2021, last year was a, a challenge within your own family and, and Tanya, and I'm just wondering if you could give us an update. You guys were fairly open uh, during the year when you took over uh, as the acting head coach, uh, as Tanya dealt with 
some health issues. How is she? How's your daughter Alana doing? How have you all made it through the last nine months? How are things going for you and your family? Well, thank you, Mike. We've been doing well. Tanya's doing great. She's back on full force and, and back at work. Uh, excited about this year. You know, we've been a little bit careful because obviously everybody that has certain other health issues, you want to be cautious, but she's, she's been doing great. Um, all her uh, the outlook is really outstanding. We'll leave it at that with her with her medical issue, and, and we're excited about that. Alana has just left yesterday to go back to uh, Washington University in St. Louis to finish her physical therapy degree. She'll get uh, finished in May, and then hopefully be back here to find a job in Corvallis and get married in June uh, to Hogan Airy. And so uh, we're we're things are moving forward for our family, and and looking good, and, and we're optimistic about the about the, the future and and. Uh, how things are going for everybody. Was the wedding with Hogan planned for this? I, it's none of my business, I suppose, but I'm trying to, re, I'm trying to remember now. Did, was it pushed back because of the pandemic so you could hope to have, quote-unquote, a real big outdoor venue wedding or, or what? We actually know they had always planned to let Alana finish her, her physical okay. therapy d- uh, degree, and so that's why they picked June. And so now we're sitting there going, like, gosh, man, I hope they can still do it in June with right. the big, big crowd. You know, I mean, I kept thinking it could be over back in August. So, <laughs> so um, but we'll keep our fingers crossed, and, and, you know, they'll still get married. And if we have to push the celebration a little bit, we'll do it. But so far we're, we're keeping our fingers crossed, and we'll be able to have a, a big wedding uh, on June uh, 19th. Well, the crossing of the fingers and the prayers and of all, I mean, we, that's a mode we've been in for a long time, and it's not a bad place to be in terms of being grateful, as you say, for what does come our way on a day-to-day basis, and we hope that includes a meet Friday night a week from this Friday, Michael. It's always a pleasure to visit with you. Give uh, our best to Tanya and your family for us, and we look forward to seeing you again soon back on campus. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Mike and John, and our hopefully our full schedule will be out this week, so for people to keep your eye open for that. But thank you, guys. Have Thanks so much. Thank Thanks. you, Michael. Happy New Year to you. Michael Chaplin joining us, our first podcast of 2021, brought to you in part by the Game Day Wine Club from Willamette Valley Vineyards. If you join the Game Day Wine Club, you receive special benefits and know that a portion of all sales go to support the fermentation science program. You can sign up at wvv.com slash game day. And special thanks again to Oregon State eCampus. You can choose from more than 75 programs and earn your degree online from a nationally ranked leader in the industry. Learn more today at ecampus.oregonstate.edu. And our thanks to the OSU Beaver Store, still open on campus with the special hours, but open. Yep. And they do a great job. I've been in there quite a few times over the last nine months. Same here. And we encourage you to check out. If you can't get to the on-campus location in person, you can, of course, start your game day experience at osubeaverstore.com, your authentic source for beaver gear since 1914. What? The year the beavers played USC in football in Tacoma and beat them one of only 11 wins in the history of football. It was also one of the two, one of the three years that my grandfather was here at school at Oregon State. And probably celebrated the win That's over how, USC. How far back I go. In 14. <laughs> and finally, our thanks to Lacrosse Boo.
Boots as being a presenting sponsor on Point Community Credit Union, our official presenting sponsor. But Lacrosse Boots has been right uh, with us from the beginning. Lacrosse Boots done right since 1897. A lot of great partners, and uh, we had a couple of weeks off for the holidays. We're back and ready to go for uh, for the winter months and a great year of more of the. Uh, the Oregon State uh, podcast right here on the Beaver Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. This has been the Beaver Sports Podcast presented by On Point Community Credit Union. Your community, your place to bank. Join in. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Beaver Sports Network.